Greetings, everyone, and before I begin ranting and raving incoherently, I thought I'd tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need to do it all in one place. And believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone. And when you host through Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and even more. It has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's free. That's right, Anchor is free, and who does not like free? So if you're interested or you want to make your podcast today, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another Ludicrous Car Review. Now, obviously, I've made my opinions a bit clear on electric cars, but we're going to be doing another one today. Now, like I said, I'm not exactly the biggest fan of these vehicles, however, there are some that do catch my eye. One of them is by a brand that has its sort of comments in the world, I guess, as of late. Obviously, I gave a very positive review of their Stinger car they released not too long ago. Let's talk about the brand Kia. The fact is, Kia has been one of the shocking brands in the automotive world as of late. They have produced some pretty amazing cars. The Kia Stinger was a zippy, fun-looking, pretty badass-looking car, to be honest, and I hate to say it, it was one of my favorite new car releases of the 2020s, basically. The fact is, the Kia Stinger was pretty much one of my favorites. Just looks overall. It looked almost like a fighter jet on wheels. Then they came out with a Telluride, which is probably to this point still one of the best-selling cars that Kia's ever built. The Telluride pretty much made the brand famous and pretty much set it apart amongst its competitors. And lately, they have been producing are making a push towards the EV segment as of late. One of these new car options, or the only real car option that is going to be, in my opinion, probably one of the biggest competitors with Tesla and Mustang, is going to be the Kia EV6. Now this is going to be their first and primary EV option, and there are some rumors going around that they are going to be coming with a GT version, which is going to come out with a ridiculous amount of horsepower, close to 600, to compete with more Mustang-centric folks. But the fact is, this is actually, well, a pretty impressive vehicle. It's got a range of about 310 miles estimated, and that's kind of the mid-trim option. And overall, the car actually has an impressive recharge rate. You see, one of the biggest problems facing electric vehicles is not so much range as it is time of charge. The fact is, a person can pull into a gas station fill up the car in five minutes and get back on the road. But they'll have, what, 400 miles of range, 500 miles, I don't know. Depends on what type of car you're driving. Mostly you'll have about 300 miles range within five minutes. The problem is EV cars take, in order to get a full charge, oftentimes close to an hour. The fact is that's one of the major problems facing electric vehicles to this day is that if you're taking especially a long road trip, it's a huge disadvantage for most people to have. However, Kia is pushing to solve this problem. You see, in only 18 minutes of fast charging, you can get 217 miles, which is relatively impressive. 18 minutes is still a long ways off from 5 minutes for a quick fill up of a gas tank. But the fact is, is that it's still an impressive number and pushing towards making relative strides towards, I hate to say, normalizing EVs. Overall, though, the car is actually pretty sporty, too. It is uh, 0 to 60 time is in 4.6 seconds, faster than a Porsche Cayenne coupe, according to their site. Now, I've heard some people say it depends on what motor package you buy. It can be a little preppy, a little less. But overall, the car is not bad, just for first impressions. So, let's go on to the exterior review of this car, shall we? 
So the Kia EV6 is actually not a bad looking vehicle. It's got a bit more of that small compact crossover vibes to it, but it doesn't look like it's, I hate to say it, insulting to the eye. Oftentimes these cars can be, I hate to say it, but ugly. And this almost, while it has its futuristic elements, is a relative safe play compared to the ridiculous builds some of these electric cars like the BMWs are being produced. And one of the cool features I find on this car that strikes out to me right away is again in the rear of the car. Much like the Kia Stinger, which stood out in its rear capacity, its back end is actually kind of stunning too because it has these unique lights that carry a long, thin, basically light bar on the back of the car. But this extends to the side of the car, and not only that, but through the wheel well and down to the sides of the car as well. Not a light bar, but just a black trim piece that goes down across it, which makes it actually blend in better with the car and create some rather unique looking lines. It is actually one of the better looking aspects of the car. Now granted it does have the more unique sloped front end that these electric cars have for aerodynamics, but it still keeps a relatively unique and interesting looking front end to actually look impressive. So overall, the exterior of the car is actually not bad. Like I said, I was fully expecting Kia to release some sort of monstrosity, and despite its looks on the one of the gripes, I guess you could say, is that one of the things that surprised me as well, is that, well, exterior visibility. You see, it kind of suffers from the problem of the blazer in that it's got some rather narrow window lines. But despite this, I hear that it's actually relatively impressive due to some unique features we'll get into the interior. But for now, the exterior of the car overall doesn't look bad. It looks like a sporty, kind of almost like a muscly car looking, I guess, compact crossover would be my best description of it from the future. Like I said, is it a bit unique? Yeah, it's a bit unique, and it'll probably take some getting used to for most people. But overall, the car's looks just ain't bad. Let's get into some statistics then, shall we? Overall, an estimated for the rear-wheel drive is going to be about 310 miles range, as I mentioned earlier. Now, it has an all-wheel drive option, but this only has 274 miles range. Not a whole lot of range for the car, and to be honest, when brands like Rivian are coming out with 400 and 500 miles, it's a little lagging behind in that category, but that can always be boosted later on. And overall, like I mentioned with that DC fast charging with 270 miles in 18 minutes, I would say that it actually ain't bad. And a cost estimate say that it's price savings on their website, which they advertise rather fervently, is that it can get 300 miles of range for about $12. I guess that's a unique feature, but as we'll get into a minute in one of my news segments, eh, that may not entirely be true. Now before we get on to some of the numbers of this vehicle, let's move on to a quick review of the interior, shall we? Because there are some unique aspects going on inside of there. So overall, the interior of the car is pretty nice. Honestly, I was kind of going into expecting some kind of futuristic interior, but there are some unique features and options available inside this car. Overall, though, the interior does look nice. It's got some nice features. I like the cool, almost, I guess almost you'd say island-type I don't know how to describe it. It's got a cool center console, which you can actually place things underneath the console as well. The steering wheel is also rather cool looking as it's kind of got a single bar, kind of like the old T-Birds did back in the day, of just one big bar across the steering wheel instead of the standard three type, type design you have. One unique feature is also is that the driving modes, which are normally standardly placed just kind of, well, pretty much anywhere they can cram it, most atypically on the center console on the side, well, it's kind of placed underneath the steering wheel in a kind of unique place, kind of on the left side, and just kind of protruding from the bottom of that center column. It's not a bad placement, honestly. If you're looking for quick tr changes of, like, GT mode and that, it's a lot better looking down at the side console and that, so I don't think it's actually a bad placement. 
Now there are some gripes people have about some of the aspects of the interior. One of it is the control panel. You see, unlike this car which got dials or to normal cars do, obviously your car of the future, you have to have everything be, well, basically some kind of screen. So basically there's a small bar on the side just below the main touchscreen in that, which allows you to adjust what most people immediately recognize as the heating and cooling temperatures of the car. This is basically two dials and then everything else is just a giant touch panel. And it's got your standard bits on there. You can adjust all the cabin features and everything else in the car. But then you begin to notice a bit of a problem. Well, I have my heating and cooling in that here. Where are my sound controls? And to be honest, looking at it, it would take you a minute to figure this out. And honestly, you would have to have somebody walk through you on this car. It's not just something you'd sit in and think to even push. See, in this fancy little bar that has all the AC controls, there's a button that you press and it switches everything over, including the little hot to cold bar into a volume and base and everything adjuster on the right side as well. Everything basically switches from a heating and cooling controls to a volume and all the radio control buttons and that. Now, while this is kind of, I guess some people would say cool looking, the problem is, is that it's a pain in the butt, I imagine, to use. The problem is you have to constantly be switching between hot and cold and radio and dial controls if you want to adjust volume and adjust heat. It's not just a matter of, well, adjust heat, turn up radio, blah, 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 but no, you have to be pushing buttons and it's probably going to be rather distracting for most drivers to use. However, there are also some unique features inside this car. The fact is, is that... Well, obviously you're given a ton of charging ports. Underneath that little island part that kind of juts out above the center console, it's got a button on a large storage compartment, but several USB chargers, a CUSB lightning charger, and a, it's just a standard light socket. It's got chargers galore in this thing. But the main thing also is a cool light bar that actually runs when the car is running across the passenger's glove box. It's a unique feature that kind of tells you the car is operational and actually looks pretty cool. But the main features are actually the camera features on this car that struck out, struck out, yeah, no, that stood out to me rather, well, spectacularly. See, as I mentioned before, the visibility in this car is a bit questionable at times. While it isn't horrible and isn't as bad as a Chevy Blazer, the fact is is that this car has some visibility issues, but those are remedied with the miraculous camera options available on this vehicle. You see, when you hit the left turn signal on the car, it doesn't just blink the lights on and off like a normal car, you see it actually activates a camera on the side of the vehicle that shows you a side profile of the car and everything going on next to you, so you can see if your lane is truly clear or not, and this works obviously right and left. It is a unique feature that I think, honestly, it's pretty damn cool looking, and this little screen pops up just below your dry tachometer and everything else like that, so it's pretty easy to watch and see, and you click, oh, yep, see, you were clear, and you can make a right-hand turn. It is a unique feature that I really, really like in the car, and I kind of wish, with my crummy backup features, that it was <laughs> available in more cars. Honestly, I can picture more cars adopting this feature because it's a pretty cool one to have. Another cool feature in the camera section is unique. Well, the prim, the basically everybody nowadays has that top view. Everybody sees just the standard Google Maps looking thing that kind of shows you your surroundings and that. But this one's more unique. It actually allows you to scroll 180 degrees, not just 180, but 360 degrees around, up and down, and all around the car. Kind of like you, you've ever played Forza game, kind of like that Forza Vista. You can circle the entire car looking to see what's around you and if your areas are clear. It is definitely a unique feature that you definitely see in more expensive cars, but not something you'd expect to see in EV6. So overall, the interior of the car is plush. It's rather nice looking, and overall, it's 
pretty damn good interior. Obviously, it's got its gripes and its quirks, but overall, any bad. Now, obviously, there's screens galore, and at least they, I give them credit because I still think the Mach E interior is asinine with its tablet glued to the side of the dashboard. But the fact is, is that it actually blends in the huge touchscreen into the dash, which I appreciate very much. So overall, the interior is pretty damn good looking too, along with the exterior of the car. Now, let's get into some figures on the vehicle, shall you? Because while I am impressed with the looks on the car and some of the features of the vehicle, there are some disappointing aspects of the vehicle as well. While I mentioned it's got a 310 horsepower, that is the max horsepower option on the car in the GT lineup. Now, they, like I said, mentioned earlier, they're coming out with supposedly a 600 horsepower version, but that's still probably a year or two off. As far as what you can get right now, the light, which is probably what most people are going to buy, considering this car starts at $40,000, which I guess ain't bad, but for a small compact, it's still a bit expensive, but it's an electric vehicle. What do you expect? The top of the line GT line, which just got your 320 horsepower, is approximately 556 dollars or $556,000. But again, the big thing is, this is before adding in all the options and trim pieces you're probably going to want to add in. So it could probably get pretty dang expensive. But overall, it ain't bad, I guess. But the problem is with the horsepower numbers. You see, in an era where cars and these electric cars and that are pumping out 1,200, 1,500 horsepower, these, the light version puts out a paltry, a rather disappointing, to be honest, 167 horsepower. Now, mind you, you still have your 258 pounds of torque, but 167 horsepower for an electric car is disappointing, and it also only gets 232 miles of electric range in the lowest package. It's, I'm not going to deny it, it's pretty disappointing, to be honest, for a car that looks pretty dang good at both exterior and interior-wise. Now, obviously, you can get your top-of-the-line GT package with your 320 horsepower and your 446 pounds of torque, and it's got your 274 miles range. But the problem is, most people are going to probably be only able to afford that bottom of the line, and for such paltry horsepower numbers, it's a bit disappointing. Now, granted, that torque will get you off the line pretty fast, but if speeding up from a get-go, I imagine, is going to be pretty dang slow. It, to be honest, it's only double the horsepower of my old Saturn for crying out loud, which had, actually, it's not even double it. The fact is that my old Saturn almost had 95 horsepower, and that dumb little thing could barely get up the on-ramp. The fact is, is that it's a bit of a disappointing horsepower number for an electric vehicle, considering these things can put out a ridiculous amount of power. Overall cost, though, like I said, it's just, it's just expensive for what it is at the end of the day, because while it is a good-looking exterior and interior car, it... $50,000 to get the decent version that will actually work well is a bit much for what it is. It is a good car, and it's a good, well-built car, but there are a few quirks that stand out. One thing I forgot to mention before we get any further, and before I give my final opinion on this, is the trunk space, which I think is a bit of a problem, a problem I forgot to mention. You see, in the rear, you come across a problem similar to the old Cadillacs back in the day with their crossovers, in that the slope design of the car, which, while it doesn't make it look cool, kind of eats into the top side of your cargo space in well most evs all right well you have your trunk in the front right your frunk the problem is, is that this one doesn't really have a frunk it has a little tiny compartment on the front that you lift up and it's kind of almost like a 
I guess almost like a little box in the front of your car. But the problem is it just doesn't store a whole lot. It's kind of just shallow and rather disappointing. I guess the rear trunk is a bit special because you can remove the bottom panel to get a little bit more space, but it's generally just a small trunk space for an SUV car. It ain't horrible, but it is a bit of a problem. So overall, my opinions of the EV6R, while I could use some improvement, I think it's still a damn good car, and it's probably going to be one of the major competitors with Tesla and Mustang with their Mach-E's and their Model Y's. The problem is, of course, that of course they got a little ahead of the game with those two cars, and they are still, in my opinion, a little bit better. But honestly, I would put it a pretty solid third for the EV6 in the electric car category. Anyways, that is my quick review of the EV6. Obviously, it's... One of the more unique electric vehicles coming out, and unlike the BMW i3 or whatever it is they're coming out with now, it's probably going to be one of the better options available to you people. So anyways, let's get on with the news for the day, shall we? As I've aforementioned before, and sticking with the theme of electric vehicles, I've been seeing more and more of these articles coming out from multiple different news organizations saying you're maybe not saving the money you are on gas. Granted, you will still save, I guess, the environment in their opinion, but the fact is you're not quite saving the money on electric vehicles there are compared to gas. You see, there was a news article coming out in Torque News, and mind you, I will admit that this is probably not the best article to use, considering they're probably geared a bit more towards the uh, gearhead type person. But the problem is, is that it doesn't deny the fact that it still costs this individual... For a whopping 34 miles of range, $10.15. Basically, you almost paid 50 cents a mile. That is, while some people say not bad, it is a bit expensive considering most people with gas cars are paying a fraction of that. Now, like I said, is it still egregious? No, it's not exactly cheaper still. It's, to be honest, if I $10 a gas, I'd probably get hundred miles out of it so yeah you probably get a bit more from bang for your buck for your gas car but it's more of a reoccurring trend to show that unfortunately as ev cars become more popular the free electricity that everybody was once getting in these cars unfortunately will probably start to disappear and the model of well plug in your car for five minutes and hey you get pretty much five bucks of free electric charging go 110 miles is probably going to go away once electric companies start to get a little bit more involved you see we're pretty much eventually if we do go all electric like they claim it's probably going to switch from gas barons to electrical barons gas electric companies are already starting to come out with more dubious ways to get people to charge their cars and to get them to charge a little extra money on the side like i said will this maybe curb electric cars no and like i said it's not going to affect much with them it's just more of a thing to be aware of when you're buying an electric car if you're getting for the cost savings like they always claim it was always a big advantage it's definitely going to come from at the end of the day your charging prices because those will eventually begin to ride back up Anyways, in other, well, not so much news, but tips and useful information coming from my garage, I recently stumbled upon a article that I actually found fascinating. And for those of you who own classic or maybe muscle cars, or maybe just a car you want to get rid of a bit of rust on, we all know the standard sand bondo, cut out the metal, and maybe even sandblast the parts. But one thing I didn't know was even a thing, to be honest, up until... I don't know, a week ago, was this very cool process called dry ice car cleaning. It is a unique feature, kind of similar to, well, the standard sand cleaner, 
funny how sandblasting the process that is most commonly used to clean off rust from parts. So I thought I'd share with you how this process is done. So essentially what this is is a less abrasive and less violent form of sandblasting. Sandblasting tends to strip everything from paint and everything off, but this does it a lot more cleaner and doesn't quite do much damage to the paint as these other things do. So basically dry ice is a form of carbon dioxide. And basically, if you were to blast the super cold material, it is nearly minus 110 degrees Fahrenheit. All this is blasted through a pressurized hose, which actually can clean off surfaces akin to, as I mentioned earlier, all the abrasive and sandblasting options that most people commonly use. Basically, this feeds through a hose and blasts a car in an entire area. Now, like I said, you don't want to do it directly on paint, but the reason why it works so well is that the cleaning agent restores the metal and the carbon dioxide particles basically to a almost near mint shape, basically almost like it came out of the factory. And it turns from solid to a gas without first becoming a liquid. Basically means when it hit the surface, it's not an impact that removes the dirt and the other debris. It's the process in which the carbon dioxide turns back into a gas and begins to lift that gunk and debris and everything else and basically decades or whatever it's on there off from the metal honestly and looking at pictures of it I am actually very impressed with the results on some of these cars now is it cheap now eh, actually surprisingly it ain't bad most processes of this stuff cost about $250 an hour, which is expensive, don't mind me that. It is not exactly cheap by any means, but most of them, for the entire vehicle cleaning, cost about $1,200 to $2,400, which, if you got a really rusty car net, ain't exactly a bad price. You can pretty much get your entire car pretty much stripped clean on the bottom, and pretty much like brand new, for a relatively cheap amount. Now, there are multiple quite a few garages actually around the world doing this and it's actually becoming a rather popular process in the restoration game because it doesn't require you to strip off parts and everything else like that or risk damaging paint because it's not as abrasive or as damaging to paint it's more the process of basically liquid gas pulling the gunk off and then basically a rinse down overall the process was rather unique and honestly i found it fascinating and to be honest i might actually debate doing it for my little 2006 Dodge Daytona, which has grown up in the Wisconsin winters and probably could use a good cleaning. Now, mind you, is this probably 100% better than sandblasting? Will it make all the metal look brand sparkly new 100%? No, but it, honestly, if you're looking for a less abrasive process and a process that's probably going to hell a lot cheaper, I would strongly recommend it. Anyways, that does it for news and tips for the day, and my review of the EV6. And I hope you all enjoyed this crazy video of mine as I stumbled my way through it on several sections, especially on that last part, considering when I was looking at an article while trying to do it. But overall, I found that process fascinating. It just always, I just love to learn new facts about new ways to do restorations on cars. Anyways, I appreciate you all checking out my insanity for the day. I hope you all like and subscribe to my videos and share them and like them and everything else like that. And I hope you all have a great day and a wonderful night. Goodbye, my friends.